Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. We are joined today with special guest, former U.S. international Lori Lindsay. And on today's episode, we are going to do a United States women's national team versus Germany preview. Before we take a deep dive into everything, a quick reminder, hello and welcome if you're joining us live, but go and download, follow, and subscribe to us whenever you get your podcast, and please subscribe to us on YouTube so that you never miss out when we do go live. Hello, 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 and good morning. Lovely to see you both. How's it going? Hi, bud. I'm good. It's always good to be back here, and now we get Lori on the show, which is even better. Lori, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you two? It's, um, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, feels Love, like, uh, lovely to to check back in. Um, you know, post um, post N- NWSL championship final. Yeah, we but, saw you there. We hung out. Like, covering everybody is. Right? <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a like a what was it like a week ago? We were like getting our flights in and yeah. um, all that and settling in. So wild to think we're a week out from that. But uh, still soccer on the horizon just because uh, some domestic seasons have have wrapped up doesn't mean that there is not an international window to take a look at. And that's what we're going to be chatting a bit about on this episode. International window, last one for the United States women's national team. Uh, They're going to close out their calendar year facing off against Germany it's going to be number one versus number three in terms of the FIFA ranked teams going head to head here. And they're going to settle up with their first friendly out in Florida. That's going to take place Tuesday, November the 11th in Fort Lauderdale and Sunday, November the 13th at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Let's start with that. Let's start with that energy. We've got United States closing out 2022 against Germany. Lori, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you first on this because I feel like Lisa and I have chatted a little bit about this in in other episodes, just talking about like the energy around a game like this. So for you, I want to get like your your thoughts and or your reactions. Like when you saw that like the the news drop that this team was gonna close out 2022 uh, against Germany. Like what was what were some of your thoughts and reactions? 
yeah, I mean, excited because these are the games yeah. you want to play in as a player. Um, you want to watch them as a fan. Um, this is what I actually had the privilege of calling Germany quite a bit in the Euros, and they were my my favorite team. I think there's they're an exciting team. You kind of feel like they're back to maybe they were when they had a little bit of like their dynasty um, in the 2000s, so early 2000s. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, and it gives the U.S. team like a really good, I think, gauge on, on where they are. Um, I think there'll be some similarities in terms of like um, the England match and like how each of these teams match up. Um, but yeah, I think going in is the last international break, as you mentioned, Sandra, and um, hopefully ending on a high note for the U.S., but also really getting a good understanding of where they need to fine tune some things, clean some things up, but also are like really accelerating or excelling um, headed into World Cup year, which is even more awesome. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a great point uh, to, to bring up in terms of like um, the head to head between these two teams. Like Lisa, I'll go, go with you to, to this one. Um, it's kind of like a, these two teams are kind of like reuniting for the first time in, in a little while in terms of um, how long it's been since they've been able to, to face off each other individually, whether it's been like in international windows or like in like other huge international tournaments. Right. So we're talking about uh, five ish years going on here between these two sides. Yeah, I mean, the the history between the United States and Germany is it goes back a long time, right? Like 33 matches between these two sides. Um, it's it's something like 17 meetings in the United States. And the United States currently has a record of 11, 2 and 3 in those previous 16 meetings that have been played in the United States. But um, they're, the last time they played was in 2018 in the She Believes Cup, right? The last three times that Germany and the United States have faced each other, it's been in the She Believes Cup. Um, so that, that big gap from 2018 in that She Believes Cup until now is the longest gap that these teams have had where they haven't played each other. And if you think back to 2018, March of She Believes Cup, it was in Ohio. We were talking a little bit about Ohio off mic here. But in March in Ohio, I mean, not the greatest weather. I don't know if you guys remember this game. But it was like cold, yeah. snowy, windy. It was like a, a pretty miserable game to, to watch. I mean, I can't imagine playing in that. And I played soccer in Wisconsin. Like, I just couldn't even. And the United States win it, won nothing. Um, and something like the last three matchups have all been one goal differences between the United States and Germany. So heading into this match and, and this pair of friendlies, um, which is going to be the 17th meeting in the United States for these two two teams, the 34th overall meeting. They It's another European matchup for the United States, right? They're coming off of those Spain and England friendlies that they played in Europe just about a month's time ago um, and now going up against Germany, a team that both sides know each other very well. And I, I think when we look a little bit deeper, Lori, to your point about knowing this German side from the Euros and, and what they did earlier in the summer, it's a lot of the same players that were going to see um, playing in these friendlies against the United States. No, no, Lori, you don't want to follow oh. up on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it's certainly, I mean, I had mentioned, so sorry, I had mentioned a second guy that we're going to a different question. Um, you know, I mentioned that this is going to be like similar to an England, an England game, but with having them with Germany, playing in the Euros, I felt like this is a team that, um, you know, it's going to be interesting because all of these players 
this is a young team with with Germany. And one of the things going into the Euros was whether or not they were um, how they're going to be defensively and a young squad. But I think the Euros proved that this team is like ready to get back to where they are. They have a little bit of a different flair in the midfield than they've had in the past. So I think it's a going back to what I said, it's an excellent matchup for this team and to not have played each other for five years to be able to meet at this critical point for both of these teams is massive and exciting, really. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, chat a little bit more about, uh, you know, the opposition here. So we went down some of the history of of this team uh, in terms of their head to head against the United States, how there's a a bit of a gap in terms of the last time uh, these two teams previously met. Um, but in terms of personnel, you know, we, we've known we've known for a little while who, uh, you know, the United States is is going to be taking to, to participate in in each of these friendlies. Um, and we know very well uh, at this point in, in the year who is also going to be missing. There's we know that the United States has, um, you know, a ton of players that they are keeping an eye on in terms of recoveries from from injuries. Um, but I think part of the excitement, right, between these two sides going head to head, yes, that they're, you know, two top 10 ranked teams who have some good history between each other. Um, but the Germans <laughs> that are going to be participating in, in this match, I'm very, very excited to perhaps get to see some um some individual battles on the pitch. Right. Uh, but I'm also, I know that maybe not as big as the United States, but there's going to be a couple, uh, you know, heavy hitters who are missing uh, for, for Germany as well. Like I'm super disappointed that we're not going to be able to see somebody like a Julia Gwynn, you know, participate yeah. in this international window. Um, awesome, awesome player. Um, and then obviously somebody like uh, Leah Schuller, who's now a bit of an injury uh, out with injury as well. So with this, so there's a couple like big, big heavy hitter kind of type of names, uh, names that people might be familiar with if they were keeping a really close eye on the Euros specifically this this past summer who are not going to be participating um, in this match. But, uh, you know, I still think even with a couple of, um, you know, the injuries on on both both sides here, that it's going to be a really, really, really competitive uh, couple of matches between these two sides. I know for myself personally, I'm super excited to see, you know, somebody like Lena McGull and what she's going to, what challenges she's going to present for the United States in that middle third specifically, uh, because I know, especially recently, kind of post uh, CONCACAF W Championship, that's an area that we've chatted a bit about in terms of the United States women's national team that we're looking for something a little bit more in this middle third when it comes to, to the United States. So I'm very curious of what that looks like when they're going up against an opposition that has somebody like, like Alina Gold. Laurie, I'm going to go with you to this because you were actually on call for, for the Euros. You got to see a lot of some of these games. Uh, when we're looking at like middle thirds here, how do you think things might play out for, for this, for this first game particularly? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest question. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about it here. I mean, there's it's floating around, as you just mentioned, Sandra, like what does the U.S. midfield look like, you know, going forward? I mean, that is one area I think that everybody knows that we need to kind of like solidify and lock down and overall just improve in terms of playmaking ability and be able to connect the lines. Um, but that's where I think this is most interesting about this matchup in particular is because this was my favorite midfield in the Euros. You have not only Magul, but you also have um, – 
Oberdorf, who is just a, a boss in the midfield. Uh, I'm pumped to see her play as well. Um, and there's like a Spanish-esque about style of play to these players. So you still have kind of like the, the direct and competitive um, kind of like um, – strong German side that we're used to seeing with like a bit more flair and a bit of a Spanish style throughout the midfield. So I'll be curious because mainly one thing that I thought was really fascinating about the German team in the Euros is Magul push high. They also rotate their midfielders wide sometimes um, and then drop like a player like Pop. Sheila's out injured, so she won't be in there. Um but the, the rotation is really interesting. And at times they also keep their three strikers really narrow. That allows their outside backs to get higher. So then there's going to be overloads on our center backs or our back line as well with players like Magul, as you mentioned, Sandra, running through. So I say all of that, um, even though we don't have a drawing board, um, just meaning that there are going to be overloads in the midfield. And how do we deal with that? Um, I think is going to be a really interesting conversation, maybe dilemma, maybe not, depending. Um, however, I also think this is a German team that can counterattack quickly, and they were excellent at that in the in the Euros. So how do we deal with, with once they get behind us? Um, so, again, I think the questions about this is, like, does Black go, go with two, you know, sixes? Do we switch it up and go with a 4-2-3-1 instead of a straight-up 4-3-3, um, you know, Time will tell, I guess, tomorrow at 7 p.m. when we are <laughs> starting. But how do we change like the tactics a little bit to deal with that? And I mean, and vice versa, they have to deal with what we have going forward. We saw that with England, right? I mean, the Trinity Rodman goal that was disallowed. However, you put together five passes or however many it was, and we counterattack on them like they've never been counterattacked on before. So I think we can do the same to Germany. So they're going to have to answer questions. Just I feel as we. As of the games as of late, Germany is going to be more comfortable in possession than we have right. been, especially in the middle third. And so, to follow, I don't want I don't want to cut you off. Sorry. So to follow up, I just wanted to say, so like, would you like to see maybe like the United States and, and possibly either of these two games, like maybe lean into the fact that they could be a, a pretty good transitional team? Yeah, I don't see why we don't go. With I, I think they have to with yeah. the strengths that the United States has and and the speed that they have up top. I think why not? Especially when Laurie, as you said, you look at the midfield battle. I think that if the ball is played too much in the midfield with the United States versus Germans, Germany's midfield, um, we got to find the ball to our forwards' feet in the United States because once you get the ball higher up the pitch, that's who you want to be running and having the ball, right? Like you want players like Sophia Smith, even Trini Rodman on the ball. If you look at the attacking players, Rose Lavelle in the midfield, that's who we want on the ball running at Germany's back line, but it has to happen quick. Like yeah. a few passes out of the back one, two touches and get it up. I just love the fluidity like that we have seen in, in recent gameplay from, from Germany. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you, you know, in terms of what, especially what we saw from them during the Euros. Um, even in that final against England, how it, at any point you could just, it's like a kind of like a front six. Like you just sort of see like Germany able to just sort of kind of, like I said, uh, you know, kind of meld within, you know, within their midfield and attack at times. Um, and it's kind of scary. It could get kind of scary at moments yeah. uh, if you don't have like, you know, a good middle third to sort of counteract that, you know, at, at, at moments. So, I mean, it's, it's something like even when in their roster, 
got dropped. I love that, like when Germany drops their roster, it's like it's separated into like defense and attack, and like that's. Oh, like, no. You know like, what I mean? Like that's it. Like they don't do like you know. It's like here's our here's our defenders and here's our midfielders and here's our forwards. Yeah. It's like no, here's some attackers and here's some defenders. Yeah. and we're and gonna they're all gonna here. cause chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly, that's what they did. I mean we we're on the call for uh, their first game against Denmark was four zero, and so. Um, they just like, it was attack versus in defend. Like it was like, they just threw players forward, but in like such a sophisticated fluid way that I was like, this team is dynamite. And so, um, hopefully we'll see a bit about that because that's what you ultimately want in these games. You want to be tested. You want to find out about yourself and, you know, to the question about counterattacking. Yeah. I, I think back to the England game, the times that we were most exposed is when we were stretched between the lines and you saw the midfield of uh, England be able to find space in between and then go at, at pace. So sometimes I don't, I think, or I don't understand why we don't just get back, drop back a little bit. It doesn't have to be a, a low block necessarily, but just stay tight and then open up force teams to have to possess against us. Uh, and then, and then open up the space in behind and then go and, and lean into that a bit. And then there's going to obviously be ebbs and flows to that, but then you can manage the game in a variety of ways. And if we have possession, then, you know, you just the roles are clear, especially in the midfield on who's, if you're going to sit with two a bit deeper in the midfield at times, but then when you go forward, who's stepping into the holes to, to stop the counterattacks, right? It's to stop. Yeah. I want to ask you, Laurie, a little convo about this, because as you mentioned, talking about Germany's midfield and how they can stack centrally and and there can be a lot of over like overboard players down the middle and down the spine of them, especially when they're going into the attack and the questions that it will ask of the United States set like sixes, right? If there's two in there or if there's one and then the two center backs and how they handle that and how they deal with the pressure of players like Magul or Oberdorf, like pushing up higher throughout those central spaces. And what we saw versus the United States versus England and versus Spain, how they handled those late runs coming out of the midfield. Do you think that there is going to be some questions asked of the United States center backs and especially depending on who is paired back there? Oh, yeah, certainly. But I think that's always right. I mean, there's always going to be those questions asked. And I think it's just about um, how do you say it's just about like communication, essentially, between the center backs and whoever's playing in those those holding mid positions or the holding mid position. I think the biggest thing, though, is the communication, staying tight between the lines, as we said, but then having one of those holding mids or midfielder wanting to get on the ball. I think you have to have somebody that immediately, is t- as soon as it's turned over, you have to have, and we get, regain possession, look to connect, right? If it's not on to go in behind, then we have to want uh, a sixes. And, and as, as of late, it feels like the tactics have been that like the six stays out and opens up passing lanes to higher up but I'm like get the six on the ball let's mm-hmm. let's move it around let's let's get a grip of the game and then we can build into our own possession at times so mm. I, mean, I, love to hear that. I think I might ask you to elaborate a little bit more on the United States <laughs> side of things who's going to be that six Lori we're going to chat a little bit more about the U.S. side of the ball in this game but first we're going to take a quick break hey it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third I'm always traveling for work, but I also love to be active, playing soccer every chance I get. Finding the balance between being comfy, looking cute, and also being dressed to be active has never been easier with Viore. 
Fiori is so versatile. It can be used for any activity, running, yoga, swimming, but it's also great for lounging or traveling. My favorite product is the pants that I actually never take off, the Women's Performance Jogger. They're designed with the softest premium dream knit stretch fabric. Viore helps me feel good about the things I buy and how they are made because Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint, utilizing better sustainable materials for their products to empower your best active life. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash soccer. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash soccer. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Rated PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right. Hello and welcome back. If you're just joining us live, we are chatting United States Women's National Team versus Germany. We chatted a bit about the German squad and what we might see uh, them present to the United States. Uh, And I wanted to hold this off for when we came back from a break, just in case we got an influx of more listeners. But listen, if you're live and joining us live right now, I want you to put like all the birthday emojis in the chat. (laughs) For Lisa Roman, because we have some birthday wishes that we have to extend to to my colleague and co-host. So make sure you give her some birthday emojis in the in the live chat there. But United States women's national team. OK, let's um, maybe chat a little bit about the roster side of things. I thought Lisa had a good question there about, uh, you know, presenting some challenges to the center backs there, uh, which maybe let's start there. Let's start on the defensive side of things when we're looking at. Uh, maybe the defensive shape that could present itself uh, to either of these two two friendlies. Uh, who who do you maybe want to see getting a run out there? Like who would you like to see in terms of this goalkeeper pool and this defensive core uh, to get a star against in any of these two games, right? But specifically as well this this Fort this Fort Lauderdale game. Yeah, I mean, I think when we look at the the back line for the U.S., we have to start with the goalkeepers because A.D. French has been called into this roster. Um, and we talked about it, Sandra, when this roster did drop that uh, French being called in with the Kansas City Current, her incredible run that she did with that team in the NWSL, bringing them to the NWSL championship. Um, I, I think that it's a player that – is good to see called in. Now, I don't think we'll see her play in this match in particular. There's also Casey Murphy and Alyssa Nair. I think Nair is going to get the start in goals. She's um, been been the most consistent one there. I, I think that for Vlachowinovsky, it's having that stability and that leadership between the sticks for him that's going to really set the tone for how this defensive shape wants to play. And then you can build out out of there but between French Murphy and Nair I think it's gonna he's gonna stick with Nair there and then it that might change how we see the center backs lining up um but Lori do you think that we'll see anyone else in goal uh no I agree with you on that yeah. I mean I think you know it's interesting balance right now because um I think you know I don't want to speak for everybody here but like it, it does feel like there's like a an interesting point of like where you're trying to build continuity in terms of the people that have been right. called in consistently, right. That we've seen called in. 
but then obviously there's some new faces and how do you get them a bit more playing time to root, you know, obviously they've like AD French is a great one. Fantastic year. She's been involved. We know she has experience at this level. Do you give her just a, is she just getting a run in camps this week or is she going to get some minutes, right. To see where she is again um, with the, with the national team. So it's kind of feels like an interesting balance right now of like who you're giving those minutes to or not. But I do feel like in this first game, um, we'll see a bit more consistency of what Blacko has rolled out as of late. And so I would, I would suspect in Nair seems to be the, the number one, rightfully so as well. I mean, yeah. she's had a terrific year as well. So um, yeah, I'd expect that. It's a, in terms of the, uh, the middle third here, that's what we sort of transitioned with, you know, from, from the break. Uh, if we, if a, would either of you like to see a little bit of, of a shift in, in formation or B if we continue to see what we've sort of seen over time um, in terms of the rotation of, of, of the midfield, like who do you want to see really get a run on and really get a, a test against this uh, German side? Uh, in terms of like formation, I don't, I mean, I think we're still going to see four in the back. I think that we'll still see some iteration of a midfield that's either, three solid with one six, but honestly, I think we could see a four, two, three, one, which is what we've seen. Um, I think that going, rolling that out against this German side would be beneficial, but like in terms of four in the back, like, and, and who would roll out there? I think that I, that is where we are going to see some consistency in what Flacco does and, and rolls out in that back line. I know that Crystal Dunn is called into this camp, but I believe she's still on minute restrictions. So I don't think we'll see her getting starts or anything like that. I think we'll see Fox on the left. I, I want to see Germa and Sauerbrunn in the middle. Perhaps it'll be Germa and Cook. Uh, but in in terms of that and then Huerta on the right is, is kind of how I see that back line going. I know Mace is called in as well. I d- I doubt she's going to get a start in this one. Uh, but I think between Germa, Cook, and Sauerbrunn, like that's, I think that's where you look at, like, hey, do you do someone like a Germa who's coming off of a great season, uh, rookie, defender, all of these accolades, and pair her with someone like a Sauerbrunn or someone like a Cook who's perhaps more of the future of this team? And I, I just want to see Naomi Germa get a start, honestly, in the center back. I do. I think she deserves it. And I think that it'll be a really good test of kind of how she can lead this side against a German team. Yeah, I mean, Germa's been amazing yeah she's been excellent so yeah give her a run you know another good um stepping stone for her and just her journey um you know it almost feels like it's not even like experience at this point in time she has it (laughs) yeah just get her out there there and let her do her thing i I would be curious though you know because we haven't seen um about her and sour bun playing together and there's been like you know chat about whether this because um they both are going to play on the left side or not but um you know i would be interested in seeing both of those both of those players together. Um, if not, I would I would imagine we would see Gurma and um, Cook right now on that back line. Uh, yeah, and then I mean, listen, you know, we we mentioned Crystal on the minutes restriction. Does she get a go? Um, you also have Fox Huerta, um, you know, Mace who's been called in, and in those point in times, and, and we've we've talked about it here too. And even Danielle was great last time saying like, who knows what the best position is? But if if Crystal's on minute restrictions, then yeah, give her a go in the midfield. Let's go. Like, it's not even about giving her a go. We know she can play. She's excellent there. So let's try her out. If we're talking about, I don't expect a different formation, really, even though we talk about it. I don't fully, and we can talk about formations all day, too, right? Um, But it's more of just about 
the understanding in the midfield and the covering of ground and supporting one another, especially if you're just playing with the, the one pivot. So let's go. Let's, let's, let's try some things. So where I'm, do you want to see, if, you. if Crystal plays in the midfield, Lori, where do you want to see her? Higher up? Well, I think she could play a, a two-end midfielder. Why not? Yeah. Play her I think that's the best. That is exactly – we need somebody that's going to be able to do both of those. She can sit back, whether it's Andy or Sam Coffey. She can get into the attack. I, I think that – then it just adds into – Black is going to have to ask some tough questions because who do you leave out? Do you do you yeah. allow then almost a, a free role for – um, Rose Lavelle, do you have Rose Lavelle coming off the bench and just allowing um, Haran have a bit more, or Crystal have a free role and then Haran's holding a bit more and Crystal plays higher up? I mean, listen, there's a variety. Here's the thing we could talk about formations all day, right? It doesn't really matter about the formation, it's just really about the understanding the position and the understanding collectively. Because I think now that Mal Pugh's back potentially in the starting lineup, that gives a totally different look to this team and the way that she plays with um, with Chicago, right? She can overload in the midfield. She naturally yeah. drops into the midfield as a as a winger. That is something that Germany, when we're in possession, is really going to have to deal with. And that is like a, a threat through and through. And whoever, who's ever playing on the outside back on her position provides the width, then all of a sudden our our midfield looks so different. So the formation, it doesn't really matter. It's just about the movement and the understanding um, – in and out of possession. You know, I, I think it's a good argument to to bring up, or it's a good scenario to, to bring up. Uh, I think in the one of the previous episodes that we just recently did, we like, Lisa and I made a joke saying that like, there's there's a lot of times where we have this as like the, the Crystal Dunn show, quite, quite frankly, yeah. because it's just like, we're always talking about like the caliber of player that, that she is. But I think it's in, it's important that it's something that we, that we continue to keep talking about just, just because on, on within this defensive core of things at this point, look, they're closing out, they're, they're closing out the calendar year. 2022 is about to officially be over for them. Once, once these two friendlies get done and, and we're going to probably start to get a little bit more reflective of things about what that means moving forward as they you know, continue to prepare for a world cup. And when you have within this defensive core, the the rising profiles of of a of an Emily Fox or a Sofia Huerta, um, with the you know in the back back burner of you know Kelly O'Hara who's like navigating injury, uh, the the inclusion the recent inclusion of Haley Mace in some of these uh, you know in some of these windows for this team, how do you how do you not continue like start to at least entertain the idea of Crystal Dunn not necessarily being pigeonholed to this one, you know, position that we've seen her over the last cycle or so. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious to sort of see what that looks like moving forward. I mean, we've heard Crystal Dunn say that, hey, she's Miss Versatile, that she's going to be wherever the team needs her um, to be. Uh, but it is something I think that it needs to continue to be, you know, chatted about just, just because of, like I said, like we were, we're starting to see uh, some other players kind of, um, you know, get more extended minutes right within, within yeah. these uh, uh, positional areas on, out on the pitch. So, you know, in terms of, of this middle third, I, I really do, I, I really would like to see Sam Coffey continue to get some more time, um, you know, uh, within, within the rotation of the midfield. I want to see, you know, in terms of the front line, I, I would like to see Trinity Rodman continue to get minutes. I'm just, because for me, I think in the lens in which I'm taking a look at these games, like I said, these are the two games to close out 2022. This team is already on the go. Like the coaching staff and, and everyone involved in the preparation for the World Cup, like it's, it's happening. 
happening. Like there's no looking back and, and things like that. I mean, what's coming after these two friendlies is, is this next group of players is going to go to New Zealand in January. Yeah. So I really do feel like not necessarily that this is a bit of a pressure cooker situation in terms of going up against Germany, but I really do feel like this is the last set of games that some players have an opportunity to really leave a lasting impression on the coaching staff because coming mm-hmm. out uh, or leading into this international windows, you know, the, 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 the media availabilities with somebody like an Edinovsky who has constantly been asked about injured players, like this coaching staff is not losing sight of that. Eventually mm-hmm. these players are going to be reintegrated back into the large, the pool of players who are preparing for the world cup in Australia and New Zealand. And some of those players apparently are going to be ready to go come that January camp. Mm -hmm. So like we're going to have a different rotation of players being rotated in and rotated out. So I am looking at these two Germany friendlies as a little bit of a a last chance, the last Mm -hmm. push for, for players to make sure that their names are still going to be relevant in the buildup to this 2023 World Cup. Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, you're exactly right. And I think that's where it comes into that balancing act that we were talking about, right? We're going to see some consistent bases out there, but then I think we are going to see some rotation, at least potentially in, if it's not the first game, the second game. And then right. how, what do you, how do you make the most of that opportunity? Yeah. Think- anyone, anyone else in, in the midfield core or attacking line that you guys really want to see get some extended minutes over uh, these, these next two games? I think coffee. That's a great shout. I, I want to see her get time against big powerhouse team like Germany, because th- that's a player that's been called in pretty consistently now. And, and we saw her go on a great run with Portland. So let's see what she can do. Let's see what she can do against some different questions that Germany is going to throw at this team, especially between the first and the second game. Right. I think that we'll see. Um, I mean, not obviously not knowing how the first game is going to go for Germany. I think that they're going to try different things in the second match to, to how they can ask more questions of the United States. So it's not just getting minutes in one match for coffee, but getting her minutes in both of these games um, and consistent minutes. I think that this is a player that can really vie for that defensive midfield role. And if there's a double pivot in there, it's it's got to be coffee and Sullivan uh, slotting into that role, but but in the midfield, coffee is one that I really want to see get time and consistent time. Yeah, I'm with you. How about in the the attack at all, Laura? What yeah. do you think? Yeah, you know, listen, I, I would be, I would like to see. We saw um, Smith play as the nine last couple matches international break, and then you know Trinity getting the start on the the right wing, but now Mal Puback. I would I would be curious about that front three. I mean, talk about like, talk about an excellent. I mean, obviously Alex Morgan's back too, and had a wonderful season in the NBSL with San Diego. So it presents just like some questions on what um, Black was looking for in each match, right, and where they feel like there's an advantage. But yeah, I would I would very much like to see in this match going with this first one, uh, Smith, uh, Rodman, and uh, Mal Pugh. Oh, talk about the I transitional like game. <laughs> Yeah, but like, like honestly, that. it doesn't even have not even has to be transitional. Those, I mean, yeah. you get a you get a Smith who no doubt can hold up the ball centrally. Same with yeah. Matthew. We just talked about her floating in the midfield. You you know, one of the things we know about Rodman is her ability to receive the ball wide and take on one v one. So on that side, that could look a little bit different. Then all of a sudden, you have like a different, you know, issues that are presented to Germany in a different way, right? You have a an inverted almost winger. 
on the left side with Mal Pugh and then uh, a winger that could potentially stay a bit wider at times on the right side. So it, all, all of a sudden, like, again, you don't have to think about it as, you know, we don't have to necessarily think about it always as formations. It's just a, a right. fluidity and understanding. And, um, but yeah, I would, I'd be, I've been thinking about that this week. I would, I would love to see that. Um, yeah that dynamic up top. I'm with yeah, you. And it's, it's not so much about the formations as you're saying, because it's, it's what these players do in that role that they're given um, and how that causes problems for the opposition. I, I mean, yeah, I would love to see a Smith pew Rodman front line. I don't think we're going to see it though. I think that huh. we're going to see a little bit more consistency with Morgan back in there. I think it'll be Smith Morgan. Pugh. Don't put that out here. I, mean, manifest. Let's let's manifest. Out. See it. I think we could see it. I, mean, I, I, I think we're love to see Alex it. back in too. Listen, because I think that's something that uh, I want to see it. I, I think that that's a that's a combination that no that any European side would be like should quiver in their cleats <laughs> about it. You know, I, I think that that's that that could present something to a German side that they are unprepared for in terms of the you know technical ability on the ball by any three of those players. So I, I would love to see that. I'm with you, Lori. I, I, I'm hopeful for it. Let's try to manifest that and see that we see like a, a front trio of Pew Smith and Rodman against the, against the German side kind of giving them fits. I, it's tough though, just because of these games where they are and where they're falling in the calendar year and in preparation for, for the world cup, that whole, you know, striking the whole balance of, of continuity while also still trying to get some last minute, um, evaluations and but uh you know i think we saw a little bit like just snippets of seeing somebody like a rodman and a smith going up against a team like like england you know yeah. and or a team like 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 spain so i just uh i would you know maybe it's just a little bit of a, of a taste that they got and who knows maybe there was enough there you know for the coaching staff to to humor that maybe even humor that a little bit a shades of that in these two friendlies against Germany. Let's, you know, we're always rooting for chaos here, right. <laughs> on, attacking, on attacking third. So, I mean, who knows? Let's, let's, let's maybe continue to root for that a little bit more. I mean, with this first game in Florida, um, you know, weather watch, I think mm -hmm. is something that we haven't talked about on the show. Maybe we'll close out with that. You know, it, nothing says, you know, uh, seasonal change or ringing in the holidays than, you know, rainy weather in South okay. Florida, right. <laughs> Like yeah. that's how you know. That's how you know it's it's fall and and in one winter, um, but I believe it's a tropical storm warning right now in terms of like the the overall forecast. Um, might be some some wind and stuff like that. So that there's 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 a very interesting you know com extra component to take into consideration with these two games too. Like how how are these two teams going to fare and perhaps potential like you know, rainy or, or possibly like windy kind of conditions. So that's that's something that could maybe <laughs> lead to some interesting scenarios on the pitch, I think. I know it's something that we will be keeping an eye on. And I know it's something that they're all keeping an eye on in Florida as well. So I don't know. We'll see. Team KS, does anybody want to feel brave and put a scoreline on things here for this first game uh, against Germany in Fort Lauderdale? I mean, I don't really. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, honestly, no. I don't want to do that at all, Sandra. <laughs> I mean, I don't even I, – I think I am pumped for this match, though. I think yeah. I, I love both of these teams, and I think that they can present problems for one another in a really great way. Um, but I think it could – yeah, I think it could also be a, a really even match. I, you know, I just – I think whenever, it could be a draw. I'll, yeah. Look. Somebody be brave. I'll go. I guess it's got to be me. I'll go first. I could see this being a draw. Yeah. I could see the first yeah. game being yeah. a draw. I could see it's like the it's the first of two friendlies, right? They're feeling each other out a little bit. 
Um, I do think, you know, there might be some conditions that come into play, right, in term, terms of weather. Who knows how the ball will be moving, uh, you know, if there is uh, a certain element there's of wind. There's a tropical storm. Yeah, if there is an element of wind or if there's an ele added element of rain, right, you know, that could maybe make things, you know, kind of interesting um, in terms of ball movement. So I think, yeah, like maybe it could be kind of like one of those narrow score lines and kind of end up in a draw. I don't yeah. want to see a 0-0, zero, zero, but I, I, I wouldn't be shocked that maybe like a 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, a draw is definitely possible, but 1-1, one, one, I'm not going 0-0, zero, zero, right? Like yeah. there's, I think th I think we'll see some type of goals in this. I mean, especially if we get the front line that we're wishing and hoping for with Rodman Smith-Pugh, like there's a we goal. We might even get some call back. <laughs> I, I definitely think there, there's going to be some goals. I, I think when we look yeah. at these two teams, I think it, at times it might even open up. It could be transitional um, in moments as well. And I might have said this at the top of the show, but this – Without Gavin back there, I'm just getting my notes out. But one of the biggest things with Germany and the Euros was how they were going to deal with transitional moments. I mean, listen, they did a really good job because their front players put so much pressure. They regained possession. And I don't want to take anything away from the back line because they did an exceptional job, especially with all the question marks around in the Euros. But I do think, I mean, one thing that I always am constantly amazed with with our group is just the even though it's been like this for so long, is the depth. I mean, we were talking about these, like, <laughs> the lineup that we're going with up top. I'm like, this is just mean. It's just <laughs> feels very mean. Like, and so I think that is an area that, like, we can really um, always get after teams, but potentially this German team, because if there is an aspect that I think that they are vulnerable, it would be in the back, especially if if we can break lines quickly. All right. Something that we'll have to keep an eye on. I know we're excited about it. We're going to watch the game and see these two teams go head to head. And we'll have to come on back and check on the recap and see if our predictions were correct or if we would like to see something different in the game if, between these two teams in New Jersey. Thank you, everybody, for joining us live and listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow and listen to us. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can watch us too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts whenever we go live. YouTube.com slash attacking third. We'll be back with a live recap of the United States Women's National Team friendlies versus Germany. So we will see you live on YouTube Thursday after the final whistle for all of our thoughts and analysis. Stay tuned for Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Lori Lindsay. This was Attacking Third. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.